Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hi everyone and welcome to On The House, the Household Management Science Insights Podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with expert knowledge from professionals in the field. I'm your host, Gabriella Yastra, coming to you from NAM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's get started. Hi everyone and welcome back to the show. Today we're going to be talking about preventing and solving pest problems with Shell Hartzer. Now she is a board certified entomologist in urban and structural entomology and preventative controls qualified individual for the food industry. That's quite a long title. Welcome. Thank you. It's so exciting to be here. Thank you for joining. I'm really excited about this topic. Um, we've had a few pest problems in the past, so I think this is going to be great. Um, I think everyone's had a few pest problems in the past, honestly. Um, but before we do get into that, um, do you mind introducing yourself a little bit more? Sure. I'm Shell Hartzer. Uh, as you said, I'm a board certified entomologist. And yeah, I've been playing with bugs for quite a while. Uh, right now, I work with a lot of small and mid-sized pest control companies to basically help them serve you folks better, you know, get rid of those pest problems faster so you're a happier customer. And of course, we want them out of our homes. So I get to troubleshoot a lot of things. I get to play with puzzles that why is this happening? Where is it coming from? And that's super exciting for me. And, you know, again, hopefully it it takes that customer then that much less time to get to get their problem resolved. That sounds so interesting. Um, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, knowing why a pest is there and I guess, you know, the best way to get rid of it, you know, very useful for, for everyone. Um, but uh, we are going to do a section first called Have You Met Shell? And that's where we get to learn about some of your favorites. Yay! Um, so the first, the first thing we're going to learn about is uh, what's your favorite book? My favorite book? Oh, that's such a hard question because I like so many different books. Um, I would have to say right now, Gideon the Ninth. Um, absolutely fantastic sci-fi book that just had me enthralled. So Gideon the Ninth. Okay, what's that about? Oh, it's so hard to describe. It's about everything. It's about space. It's about fighting. It's about love. It's about everything but bugs, I think. I, I actually do not think I could put any bugs in. <laughs> Um, but it's just a, a fantastic sci-fi journey throughout throughout a couple people's lives. Great. Um, I do love sci-fi, so I'll have oh. to give that a go. Um, and what about a movie you've seen recently? Movie I've seen recently? Oh, you know, I just, <laughs> I just watched Thor Love and Thunder, which was so funny. It, it looked like it was going to be so kind of kitschy and 80s, but it wound up being so good and so funny. So I enjoyed that one. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, there's a lot of wind up to that one. So it's good to know that it was quite good. Yeah, I liked it. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and do you listen to any podcasts at the moment? Oh, so many podcasts. Um, one of my favorites is uh, Wine and Crime, that they talk about different crimes and they drink wine that pairs with it. 
Um, and another favorite of mine is No Such Thing as a Fish, where the four hosts pick a random fact that they learned about during the week and then go off on that and all the different aspects of that fact. So uh, those are two of my favorite right now. That sounds, this sounds like some really interesting podcasts. Yes. Um, I do like the idea of um, the no such thing as a fish. And um, yeah, lots of, I mean, there's so many facts in the world. Right? Um, yeah, so many things to learn. Um, and do you have a role model? Oh, again, so many people have affected my life in, in so many great ways, but I, I would have to say my dad. My dad was a, a great public speaker and I've tried to learn from that and tried to be as good as he was with that and on the business side as well. So I, I will say my father. Uh, that's lovely. It's really great to have um, yeah, someone who is there helping you and guiding you who can actually talk to you and not just you know, someone on TV maybe or in a book. I, I still go to him with help like every week. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Um, and what about a course that has inspired you? Oh, my very first entomology course, my very first entomology course at university, it made me just fall in love with it because there were so many different aspects of it. There were so many different species out there. And to learn all about that in that first basic class just instilled my love of, of the subject. And there's just so much going on. And it was amazing. I had a great professor for that. So yeah, my very first entomology class at university. I mean, that's what you want in, at university, you know, exactly. You want to be hit first day of uni, um, university, um, know exactly what you want to do. It, it took a while to get and, to exactly what I wanted to do, but yeah, it, oh, it, okay. it got there. <laughs> okay. Okay. And just, um, just in case, um, what is entomology? Entomology, quite simply, is the study of insects. It's ento, insects, mology, the study of. So the study of insects. Great. Thank you for that. Um, so um, what is your definition of household management? Household management is looking at the structure that you're in and quite simply managing it, making sure that it's sealed up. We have so many animals that are on the outside of our house, insects included in that. So if we seal up the, the structure, the outside stuff stays on the outside. We also have to look at sanitation. We want it clean, of course, for us, but all of our little insects friends are looking for food too. And some of those are looking for our food. So when we talk about household management, it is about sanitation, just keeping things clean, keeping that food put away and sealing up the structure so they can't get it in the first place. Yeah, very good tips. Um, and what are some misconceptions about household management? Uh, that it's easy. <laughs> it's really easy for me to say, yeah, just seal up your house. But, you know, there's always that little crack under the door or that door seal that you miss or that break in the screen. And it is something that you have to constantly keep up with. And, and I think a lot of people think, okay, once I've you know, replace my windows, I'm, I'm fine. Well, over time, things break down, something happens, a storm comes. So we have to constantly keep up with that household management. Mm. And so you're saying that something as small as, um, I mean, obviously bugs are small, but um, 
Something as small as just a, a break in the in the screen door can let them in. Exactly. How do they find the hole? Because <laughs> they're brilliant like that. Um, how do they find it? Usually there's something attracting them. There's that good smell or maybe it's warmth, you know, when the seasons start to change. But if you stand inside your house and you look at that door and you can see daylight around any part of it, you're going to have to kind of get down to see the bottom. But if you see daylight, your ants can get in, your cockroaches can get in. A uh, mouse just needs an opening, uh, you know, very small opening about the size of a, a dime, we say in the U.S. So those small openings can let in a lot of different things. I don't think that's uh, very promising for my apartment. There's a lot of cracks there. But anyway, um, I guess, I mean, I've always assumed that, you know, having a few bugs and things are normal in the house. Is that different from like a pest, in, pest infestation? We usually refer to a pest infestation is when we have many and we have some of the generations starting up. So we have some stuff, like you said, that just, it gets in, you know, it, it wandered in, maybe that, that little spider got in. It's okay. That spider's not reproducing. But when you have something inside like cockroaches or ants that have found that home and they start reproducing, that's when we start calling it an infestation. And what is a pest? Is it anything that we don't want in the house? It is a very hard term to describe. Um, one of the best ways to describe that that I've heard is something out of place, out of time. So we have bats, which are extremely beneficial and they eat all those nasty mosquitoes out there and protect us from disease. But once that bat gets into your attic and starts a family up there, now it's, it's a pest. We have a lot of insects that stay on the outside that, you know, decompose wood and, and are great for our gardens. But when they get inside, that's when they start becoming a pest. So in, in some cases, it's hard to describe. And in some cases, it's up to you. What do you define as a pest? For me, a couple spiders getting into my house, no big deal. But for some people, even one little spider is a pest and they need it taken care of. Okay, so... <clears throat> um... So you mentioned before that pests um, are attracted to come into our houses, you know, maybe due to a change of season or, you know, some, a good smell that's coming out um, or maybe a bad smell for us. Um, what what factors increase um, the chances of a pest problem? What should we be, we be looking for? Definitely food. With many of our household pests, if we want to refer to them that way, your ants, your cockroaches, they are looking for food. And that food is the same thing that we want. Um, so they are after that. So by cleaning that up, making sure that there's, you know, you occasionally clean behind the refrigerator of all those little crumbs back there, you seal up other food. A lot of people forget about pet food too. You want to seal that up so that the bugs can't get in there because that's great food for them too. So sanitation is one of the best things that homeowners can do, anybody, could, business owners, anybody can do to help those pests not be so attracted to the inside of their structure. Mm. So can it be as, as little as some crumbs on the ground, some spilled flour, um, you know, when you're baking, or is it, you know, more, I guess, pungent things like meat that has been left somewhere? You know, it depends on the pest. We have a pest called a flower beetle that likes to infest flour and cranes and then your meats uh. i know right and then your meats you know you have the flies that can infest all of that and the cockroaches 
And some of the dried products, there's a, a little moth called an Indian meal moth that will get in there and it loves chocolate too. So really any food can be an attractant to many of the pests that we have there. So if you have a couple crumbs here and there, it's not a big deal, but if there are bigger sanitation issues and they last for longer, that's when we start having problems. Hmm, okay. Um, and would you say like storing food properly as well? So you said like flower weevils, I'm guessing they could get into like a paper bag if we just leave the flower in there? It's, it's amazing. So much research has gone into packaging for foods to make it insect proof, yet we still have flour in paper bags, which is pretty much the worst possible material you could have. So yes, when you have stuff like that, if you can seal it up into you know, a, a container that seals nice and airtight for your bags of flour, especially, but other stuff, you know, stuff in a can, there's no way an insect is gonna get into a can. There's no way a mouse is gonna chew through that. So you want to look at some of those softer goods and, you know, make sure they're packaged well. And if need be, put them in those sealable containers. Okay, that's that that seems fairly doable for most people. Um, so you have mentioned a few um, sort of common ones already, but what are the common um, pests that people have in their homes? I would say cockroaches, ants. And rodents would be the top three. And with rodents, it's going to be a lot of house mice. And we see quite a bit of rats in larger structures. But for homes, definitely your mice. Ugh, I don't like the idea of mice or cockroaches in my house. <laughs> um, like, how do we know what pests we have? And yeah, how do we, how do we know? Or if we even have pests? That's a great point because a lot of the pests are small and a lot of our pests are nocturnal. So they don't want to be seen. They're not gonna be out there during the day. So if you can see the pest, you know you have a problem. If you see that rodent running across your kitchen floor, you know you have a problem. But we're also looking for those kind of secondary signs. So if it's rodents, maybe you see those little chew marks or maybe you see the little droppings that they leave behind because what goes in has to come out. For some of our insects, you may see, you know, dead insects. They, they've molted, they've shed their outer skin or they've died and you may see pieces of that. And you may see trails, especially with ants. Ants sometimes form those really nice little trails so you can see where they're coming from and where they're going to in a lot of cases. So I do remember one time um, in, in high school, my parents um, opened their uh, kitchen drawer and they found all of the wooden utensils had nibbles in them. Yeah, you can look for, for foods that have, and like we said with that bag of flour, if you see those little holes in it that they've chewed through to get there, sometimes those little chew mm. marks, those little holes that they leave behind are indicative of some kind of pest. Mm. And so obviously they can, you know, destroy the food, make it not very nice, make a big mess, you know, if they make a hole in the flour, you pick up the flour, I assume some would come out. But other than that, like what, what are the problems with them? Like, uh, can they cause like health problems? Absolutely. So there's a lot of diseases. When we look at rodents, uh, the big one, of course, was the Black Plague. Rodents helped to spread the Black Plague. And the plague still exists today. It's definitely not as big as it used to be, but it's still there. 
uh, flies can spread around foodborne diseases like uh, salmonella, E. coli. Cockroaches can too because they pick up little pieces of food that may be infested with that listeria. They crawl across your kitchen counter, leaving little particles behind of that. And now your kitchen could be infested with something like that. So there are a number of diseases that rodents and insects can carry on them that you don't necessarily want to get. So if you've discovered that you do have a pest problem, um, what can you do to sort of mitigate those those um, issues? Well, if, if you have a problem, calling a professional in is your best bet because they know where to look, they know how to look, and they know a lot of those remediation methods that are going to be specific to that pest. But in general, finding those areas that they might be hiding, cleaning up those areas, a lot of our pests like it a little bit warmer and a little bit moist. So sometimes if you can dry out those areas a little bit, that can help reduce their population. And hiding spots, like I said, a lot of these are nocturnal. They don't want to be out. People are big and scary to them, so they want to be out at night when nobody's there. Taking care of those little cracks and crevices where they're hiding can force them out into the open, can force them to traps, and can make them easier to deal with. Silly question, maybe, but um, you said they don't like they're nocturnal. So if I leave my if my if I leave my lights on all the time, will that scare them away? So interesting. They've done tests on that because you know we have some buildings that operate twenty four seven, so are always going to be lit up. And they found that you know for the first couple days they're a little confused, but after that they still kind of stick to their schedule. And even though the lights are out, they're still going to come out mostly at night. Okay, so I guess they can sort of tell as well, um, you know, by their own body clocks. And also, I guess if there's less people around, they're going to be a bit more happy to come out. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you've mentioned, um, yeah, sort of how to prevent them. But how, like, if it's, if it's so, you know, if there are health problems associated with this and, you know, they're making this bit, these messes, it can be dangerous to clean up, I assume. With a lot of our insects, if you take proper precautions, wearing gloves, you know, making sure that you're not touching any of that with your hands, making sure you wash your hands after you're done, that's usually enough. But when it comes to rodent problems, those can sometimes cause additional problems. Again, you want to reach out to a professional to maybe take care of that. But that's something that you're probably going to want to wear a mask. You want to make sure that you don't inhale some of those particles because that can cause certain diseases. So, yeah, mostly insects, it is a fairly simple cleanup. But when you get into some of those mammals, definitely going to take a little bit more of, of a precaution with that. And is soap and water enough for insects or um, bleach? You know, whatever your your regular cleaning chemicals are, whatever products you typically like, because what they're going to leave behind is just little bits of leftovers. There may be some, you know, insect parts still there. And, you know, as I said, what goes in goes out. So even even for bugs. And so you're just really cleaning up what they've left over and maybe some of the, the pheromones that they've laid down, because, you know, instead of talking to each other, they have those chemical cues that say, hey, come over here. It's a great place to be. So you're just really cleaning that up. And that's not typically very harmful to humans, as long as you're, you know, using your precautions that, that you need to as you do your usual cleaning. Okay, great. Thank you. 
Um, and so other than, you said rodents, um, what other issues should I call a professional for? Oh, definitely bats. Uh, bats are, are very protected here in the United States, so you have to be very careful when that happens. Um, any type of mammal, really. Uh, we have a lot of raccoons and foxes, possums, squirrels here that can get into the attics, that can get into the house, that can get into the wall voids. And that's really not something that a typical homeowner is going to want to deal with on their own. The other thing you should definitely call a professional with is termites. Because again, they get they get into those spaces and they are chewing up the wood. And that professional has the tools to get in there and get the right product in the right space to save your structure. And the other one I would say would be snakes. We have a lot of snakes that are venomous. And that's not something that we want people to put themselves at risk for. So those, those are three of the top ones. Yep. Um, we also have similar problems in Australia. Snakes. Um, don't want to be messing with those personally. And um, we have possums, which I think are different from American possums, um, but they also get into the roos and they can make a lot of noise and keep people up at night. Yeah. Um, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess that's another problem that they can cause is they can keep you up at night with their parties. Exactly. And, you know, they're raising their families up there and they're eating not just your food, but in some cases your structure and chewing through wires. Rodents are notorious for chewing on wires and causing electrical fires. Oh, so yeah, not only eating your food, but burning your house down. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Anything else that, you know, they can, they can cause havoc with? Um, you know, mentally, once you have that insect problem, mentally, you're just really attuned to it. And, you know, anytime something might itch a little bit or, you know, you feel like you get bit, you know, the kind of that phantom bite, it can really throw you into that situation of, you know, just a little bit of havoc of, of what your brain's doing. So, there is a little bit of a mental aspect to some pests and, and what they can do. Mm, definitely. I, um, yeah, sometimes I, I feel a bit weird when we've got ants and it's like, oh, I feel like they're crawling all over me. Exactly. <laughs> um, the other one that really scares me is like bed bugs. Would you count those as a pest? Would you? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yes, I definitely would. <laughs> I, I don't know who would not consider bed bugs a pest. So yes, that they would definitely. And, you know, the thing with bed bugs is, again, mostly nocturnal. So once they bite you at night, they're going to go back to their little hiding place behind the headboard in that mattress crease underneath the, the nightstand that you have there. And so you may not even realize that you have bed bugs until that population is built up quite high. There's about 30% of the population that doesn't even react when they get bit. So if you don't really, it, well, no, it's just no, it's, it's like mosquitoes. You know how some people have that really strong reaction to mosquito bites and they've got that big welt and they're itching it. And other people are just like, no, it's fine. So same thing with bed bugs is some people will react more than others. And there are those that do not react at all, but because of that blood feeding and, and because of the way that they hide and they feed, they're definitely a pest. Mm. And so if you've got um, a bed bug infestation, what can you do? 
few things. Again, this is one of those things that you probably want to call in a professional. There are certain tools that you can use. One of the the great things that we have sometimes are these these mattress encasement, which do not kill the bed bugs. But what they do is once that mattress has been treated, maybe there's still a couple eggs left in it. So that mattress encasement means that once those eggs hatch, they can't get out. So they can't bite you. They're trapped in there and eventually they die. Uh, some people can do heat treatments. Uh, if you get the temperature high enough, it can kill bed bugs. Now, most residences will not have the capacity to get the heat up that high. So that's probably something for a professional. But one of the best ways to treat for bed bugs is really to make sure you don't get them in the first place. Bed bugs are great hitchhikers. So you're going to pick them up in a hotel or, you know, maybe, maybe a home where your parents are staying, maybe it's, you know, your friend's house. So just making sure that when you come back from one of those trips that you check everything, you leave your suitcase outside or, you know, in the garage and take it in and inspect it carefully so you don't bring them home with you. Okay. So would you say like, you know, take out all of your clothes and even if it's not dirty, like wash everything? Absolutely. Anything soft, you know, your clothes, if you have you know, a pillow in there, whatever it is. What I do when I come back from trips is I set my suitcase right outside my door, um, my, my basement door as I come in, and then I take everything out and my laundry goes directly into the laundry machine so that I can wash it. And you wanna make sure you dry it on high heat, wash and dry on high heat for whatever you can. And everything else in there, you know, my little toiletry bag, the suitcase itself, maybe my shoes. I'm just gonna take a quick look and make sure that no little critters are hiding on those and coming back with me. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's um, good advice. I actually recently went on a trip and my friend's house had a lot of cockroaches. I think they were just in the countryside. Um, they just came in a lot. Um, but before I left, I had to repack everything and make sure I wasn't bringing in a cockroach from another country into Australia. That would be bad. Which would be really bad. Um, yeah, because we, we have a very uh, different um, yeah, environment here and we don't want to bring anything else in as much as possible, at least. Yes, definitely. Mm. Um, do you have any other tips um, that people can use in their own lives? I think one thing is is just to be aware of your surroundings. We often don't think about these things until they impact us. And if we can think about it a little bit earlier before they get into our house, before they infest, we can do those preventative aspects of kind of sealing underneath that door so that cockroach can't squeeze in or sealing up the, the chimney caps so the birds can't get into the chimney. All of those things to just be a little bit more aware and be aware of some things that you may not think of as food. A lot of people love birds and so they have that big bad of bird food of bird seeds sitting there and of course it's open and what else likes bird seed of course your rodents some of your insects and things like that so you know all of those things that you may not think of food because it's feeding something else maybe it's your pet food can also be areas where your insects your rodents your pests are going to like Yes, I'm going to be looking at my um, cat's food now and just making sure it's nice and sealed um, every day. Also keeps it nice and fresh for him. <laughs> um, is there anything that I've missed that uh, you wanted to talk about? Oh, geez. You know, there's so much cool stuff with, with pest management. A lot of people think that pest management is 
that that guy who comes in your house and sprays. But there's so much more to it. Pest management professionals really look at what the pest is, where it may be coming from, and then treat where it's necessary. We have a lot of great products that are baits. So we can put down very small amounts of pesticides that are very close to where they are and take care of that problem without doing all these big sprays that used to happen. So when people are a little bit wary of pest control and thinking, oh, I don't want somebody to spray my house, in most cases, it's not that. It's very targeted and we have great products to make sure it works in very, very small doses. Um, actually, that sort of brings me to something I've just thought of, which is with with pets, you know, cats, dogs, small children even, um, if you are laying down bait, um, you know, maybe as a um, just a non-professional, how can you make sure that they're not going to hurt themselves? You make sure you put it in an area they're not going to get to, which when you think of where that pest may be, let's let's take the cockroaches. They're hiding behind the refrigerator because it's nice and warm and they've got all that crumbs that have fallen behind there. Your dog or cat can't get behind the refrigerator, but you can get a little bit of bait back there and target those areas. So now it's out of reach of your pet, but still in reach of those pests that you want to target. So think of those areas out of reach of your pet, but still close to where the pest is going to be. Hmm. And what about um, some of those non-bait and non-poison related um, methods of killing, sort of your traditional mouse trap? Would you still recommend using those? Absolutely. You know, traps are great, especially for rodents. It's it's a lot of the same thing as we talk about for insects. So it's getting it close to where that pest is. If you can imagine being in your kitchen, um, being in the middle of your kitchen where there's nothing there is open and scary, but that mouse likes to hide behind the dishwasher. So getting that trap on the edge, getting it too close to where that pest is, is going to be really effective. But traps are, are very effective. Okay. Um, yeah. Anything else that you wanted to talk about? Oh gosh, there's so much, but we don't have time. And I'd probably bore okay, people. Okay. So no, that's that's good. Okay. If anyone wants to learn more, they can um, come and chat with you maybe. Absolutely. Um, great. Um, so um, what is a practice you do in your own home to sort of help to prevent pest infestation? So I live in Georgia, which is in the south of the U.S., so it's nice and warm and wet for much of the year. It's, it's not exactly tropical, but we have a lot of insects out there. So I make sure that the plants around my house are kind of trimmed back so they're not touching my house. And they're trimmed back a little low because if you have real big bushy areas that, that provide a lot of cover, your pests are going to take advantage of that. That's nice and safe and secure. So by lowering that vegetation, keeping it away from the house a little bit better, that kind of forces things back a little bit. And I check my door seals and make sure that everything is as sealed up as possible. That's some really good advice because um, I remember as a kid, we had a pot plant next to the house. And one day we looked inside and there was a snake in there and it was just relaxing inside. And, you know, at some point maybe you would have slithered out and come into the house. Um, luckily, we spotted it. Um, but because um, otherwise that would have been really scary, particularly as a kid. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, sealing up the doors and keeping everything trimmed um, seems 
seems easy enough. Yeah, it's, you know, a couple times a year to, to do your, your maintenance and check things out. Plus, it makes it easier to see the edges of your house. So, again, here in Georgia, we have a big problem with termites. And so if I can see those little termite tubes crawling up the side of my house, I know that I need to do some treating. I know I need to do some stuff. So, you know, it makes it more visible and allows you to inspect the area a little bit better as well. And so, yeah, you said a few times a year, maybe once a quarter? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, in the middle of winter, everything's going to die back a little bit. And honestly, that's some of the best time to inspect because you have such a great visual then and you can see those areas. And then, yeah, come spring, you want to cut some stuff back, check it out again in the summer and then in the fall, do that last check. Quarterly is a great idea. Great. Um, and... So we've also got some questions from the audience today. Um, so our first question is, um, effective um, what are some effective traps or methods to make my house clear of mice? And then they've included a sad smiley face. Aw, sad, sad, sad for the mice or sad for, for the, the guest? <laughs> um, I'm not sure, both. <laughs> so we mentioned traps. Traps are a great idea. Just making sure you get them in their pathway. You kind of have to think like the mouse. The mouse is small, it's scared, it wants to hide. So along edges, along corners, not in the middle of the floor, those areas are going to be great places to put those traps. And if you can do really good sanitation, they don't have a food source where they are anymore. So they're forced to go out, they're forced to try and forage more, and they'll encounter those traps better. And of course, since they've gotten in, finding those openings where they've gotten in and sealing those up so you don't continue to have mice getting into your structure. And that sort of leads us to the next um, audience question is, does cleanliness guarantee that my house will be free of pests? No. Um, you can be as clean as possible, but bed bugs don't care. Bed bugs, bed bugs the food source is you. Um, we have lice. Lice like to live on people. I mean, kids get head lice a lot, and that can, again, has nothing to do with sanitation. So some past sanitation will definitely help to deter and reduce those populations. But then we have some of our pests that don't care about the food that we're eating because we are the food that they are eating. Oh, that's so gross to think about. Um. And how can, our third question is, how can homeowners detect pest problems early? And what are the warning signs? Oh, that's a great question. So one of the easiest ways to detect them early, because we've said it a couple times, they're small, they like to hide. Um, we can use glue boards in key areas so that when stuff starts to get in, you know, we pick that up on a, on a glue board and maybe it's by the basement door. And so, you know, you need to focus on that area or maybe it's by the garage door. You can focus on that area. So having those glue boards in key places can give you that advanced warning. And otherwise, it is about that inspection. We, we mentioned that quarterly inspection of, of the outside that can help you notice some of those pests that may be building up populations on the outside that can occasionally get in if they're given that opportunity. Yeah. Um, so would you recommend people have those glue boards done all the time, like just in the everyday? I think having a few glue boards in key places is a good idea um, year round. 
you have to check them. And the key is to do something when those pests show up. It is your early warning system. But if you just crush up that glue board, throw it away and put a new one down, you haven't fixed the problem. You haven't addressed the fact that that door is being cracked open and, and somebody keeps leaving it open that space or that mouse is getting through the hole in the wall. So the key with glue boards is yes, go ahead and leave them down in those key areas. You don't need a lot, but a few, and then do something when those pests show up. And yeah, inspect them, I guess. Yeah, exactly. As you said. <laughs> so our fourth audience question is, how do weather conditions and seasonal changes impact pest problems? Oh, they can make them worse or they can make them better. It all depends. It's interesting the way weather affects pest populations. Uh, when we have floods here in the U.S., especially in the South, what we see is a lot of our pests are outside animals kind of get flushed out of where they are and they're looking for dry spots, which is potentially your house. So they're looking for those drier areas and getting into those areas. Drought will actually do the same thing because when you think of it, there's this extreme drought and there's no food and no water. So where do they go? They go to the house that has the irrigation system that's watering the lawn and still has the green there. And then there's stuff like hurricanes and, and tornadoes and typhoons that will literally blow pests around, especially our insect pests. So it's crazy how weather and climate can affect that. And usually those extreme weather events are going to make some kind of pest issue worse. Uh, interesting. Um, something I've noticed in my own home, and maybe this is just you know, a coincidence. Um, but we feel like when there's a lot of rain, you know, several days of heavy rain, we tend to get more ants and more spiders. Is that related or just a coincidence? Probably related. Again, that rain is, is maybe flushing out some of those ants from their burrows. And those spiders may have gotten, you know, pushed down from wherever they are. If they're those nice, pretty web builders or if they're the ground spiders, again, they're looking for that slightly drier area. And with the ants too, maybe they've gotten enough moisture that that colony has has grown and now they can send out more workers, which means they have a bigger chance of encountering your house. So yeah, the rain will definitely uh, push things around a little bit. Okay, interesting. Um, that's not great because we have some quite heavy rain here sometimes and also droughts, a um, bit of everything. Um, now, our last audience question is, um, my real estate agent requires that I fumigate my apartment when I leave uh, because I have a cat. Is this necessary? Oh, that's a very good question. And I would ask them what they mean by fumigate. Um, when people talk about fumigation, they sometimes have different ideas in mind. A true fumigation in, is using a gas a gas in an enclosed place to treat it, usually for insect pests, um, can be done for rodents as well. What I suspect that real estate agent is asking for is maybe more of a, a fog or a spray, just in case there were any fleas or lice. So and a, a true fumigation using gas is not something you can do by yourself. You absolutely have to have a professional. Um, the, the treatments are very regulated. You can't even just go out and buy them. 
So I suspect it's not that fumigation. I suspect they're looking for one of those, those fogging agents or maybe just a spray. So that has to be clarified some more. Okay, because yeah, fumigation seems a bit over the top to me. Yes. Particularly if you've got an indoor cat. Absolutely. And usually fumigations are done for big infestations. They're done for termites. They're done for rodents. They're done for food pests. Um, When we have food facilities that that may have those in them, it's not typically done for for something small. We do fumigations for bed bugs sometimes as well when the, the infestations are pretty severe. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, this person will have to, um, ask their real estate agent. Um, now our open mic is a chance where you get to talk about something you're passionate about that doesn't necessarily have to be related to the topic. Did you have something in mind? Oh, what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about being outdoors. I love to be outside hiking, um, paddle boarding if I can. I love being near the ocean. It's it's really something nice to be outside, especially when the weather is great. And to see nature, nature includes all things. Maybe it's the deer that are running through the backyard, but it's also that cool colony of ants and that fallen log that you pass by or that beautiful spider and the spider web shining in the morning. So I love being outside and seeing all that and remembering how everything is is connected. You know, we have to have that spider to eat the mosquitoes, but we also need the mosquitoes because the larvae are the fish food. And, you know, we have to have the fish because maybe the the birds of prey are going to eat that. And it's, it's just amazing when you look at how connected everything is and how everything really does have a purpose out there. And even though we have pests, there's so much out there that's just so beautiful. And to be outside in nature and just enjoying it is definitely a passion of mine. That sounds, yeah, sounds great. Um, Yeah, I'd love to get out and go see more of our countryside, but it's just finding time, I think, sometimes. Um, um, Yeah, and... um, yeah, I love what you're saying about, you know, the spider that, you know, maybe necessary is is beautiful outside, but isn't supposed to be in our homes. Yeah. Um, and then we then we won't like it there. And that goes back to what is the definition of a pest? And, you know, what do you consider a pest and how many spiders in your house are too many? You know, for me, having three or four spiders in my house, no big deal. But for somebody else, having one spider in their house is a big deal. So it, it is kind of tricky when you talk about pests and what it means and how people view it. I have um, one or two friendly daddy long legs who live in my house rent free. Um, they're supposed to help to keep the mosquitoes down, but too many and then it's a problem. <laughs> um, so if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? Sure. Um, so you can visit me on my website, that's shellhartzer.com. I am also on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Shell Hartzer on LinkedIn. And I also have a YouTube channel called Whining About Pest Control, where I drink wine and talk about pest control, a, a certain aspect of pest control for about five minutes, and my wine relates to it somehow. Oh, great. That sounds great. So if people do want to find out more about pests and about you and about your work, they can find you there. And we'll make sure that um, we'll put those links in the show notes so people can find them. Great. Perfect. Thank you for joining me today. It was, um, I've learned a lot. I will go home and make sure everything's clean now. (laughs) 
Thank you. This has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed it. And I, I hope everybody out there is a little bit more appreciation for the, the pests that are out there in a way. Thank you. You've been listening to On the House, produced by the Household Management Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes like this from across 10 life management perspectives can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and any other podcasting apps available on your smart devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating, sharing, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people to find it so we can grow and continue to bring you quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, hm.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Gabriella Yastra. Thanks for tuning in.